0: Hello, everyone. Again, this is Raymond, your host. Well, yesterday started normal. I got my normal two, two and a half hours sleep. Then woke up, stared at the ceiling till about one, and then went to work, stared at their ceiling, played on my phone till six thirty. And then started work. But I really wasn't feeling it yesterday, but I did stay at work for once. It was just one of those normal days when I was driving in on I-40. I had a car that was, like, staying right beside me almost. Wasn't a cop car. Just a normal, white, older model car, it was a Chevy Impala, I'd say it was an older model, it was like they were pacing me, so maybe they had speedometer problems or something to that effect, I really don't know, I'd speed up, they'd speed up, I'd slow down, they'd slow down, so I pulled over to the side of the road, see if they would keep going. Well, they didn't. They pulled over probably about 10 or 15 feet in front of me and stopped and just sat there. I sat on the side of the road for, oh, five, ten minutes, thinking they would start going, but they never did. So I pulled back onto the road and just started going, headed to my job in Midwest City and they just stayed right beside me when i exited off at my exit to uh go to into work and they just followed me stayed right beside me going the same speed i was going and then i i turned into the gate to enter work and they kept going a little bit they pulled up and stopped and, and I went, and entered the gate, and went to work. I don't know how long they stayed there, but I can say they did leave before I got off work. And I'm guessing probably got back on I-40 and continued on. But it just set me on the edge all day. I was just like, "Who the hell was that? Was it someone from Somalia?" I mean, what the fuck was it? It just put me in that mood all day. And then uh, when I was going home, at the end of the day, I had, it was a newer model, I'd say maybe five years old, roughly, a pickup truck that had engine bombs. You could just tell from listening to the engine. And it was kinda of beat up and a little bit rusty. Crew cab. Uh I think it used they used to be called S 10 but I think they're called Canyon or not Canyon, that's D M C uh Whatever the whatever the small Chevy truck is. But that and it was white, which threw me into a flashback. Because while we was in Somalia, there was a old beat up rusty looked like it had been rode hard and put away wet. I mean it was just screwed up to no means, and it was notorious because we'd see it all the time. It was notorious for backfiring and crap like that. Well, when it was going home, it was this newer model, but still older, about five years old. Chevy, small truck, crew cab. And it started backfiring. To me, it sounded just like gunshots. Well, once there was nobody in front of me. Traffic was kind of clear, actually, light, and after the second backfire, I hit that gas, and I went from 65 to about 90 in 30 seconds, and I stayed like that for about 10 or 15 miles till I was, was clear of what my mind was telling me was ambush zone. And then I slowed back down and kept watching my mirrors and everything. And I never did see that car come back up. But that was just the type of day, the way the whole damn day went. It was just like, oh, my God. And I stayed in that heightened alert until I went to sleep. And I ate a small dinner of bologna and cheese onion sandwiches, because I just wasn't interested in anything else. I really wasn't even interested in eat eating, but I made myself eat, and then, because I got to eat, or starve to death, you know, well, man, I fell asleep somewhere between 7.30 and 8.00. And I was asleep for about an hour and a half to two hours in a nightmare, my wife told me, because she was still up, that she said I was turning and around and was yelling, ambush side, ambush side, and was holding my arms the way he would hold a, a M-16, and I was pulling that trigger, yelling, out, reloading, out, reloading. After what would have been maybe, oh, 45 seconds or so, about as long as it would take to empty a M16. And then uh, I went back. I came out of the nightmare for a little bit and I did carry an M16 near the end of my tour in Somalia. Well then, my wife said I was out of the nightmare for about, about 30 minutes, and then I went back into another one. And it was a different scenario, my wife said. It was the scenario that I alternate between some of the others. And that one was, I was up on top of the building in Mogadishu with my saw, which I carried at the beginning of my tour, and that was a normal weapon that I did carry um, until we turned our saws in for to be, uh, we cleaned them and turned them in to be transported back in crates so we didn't have to carry them on the plane back. Well, um, anyway, she said I had my hands up like I had binoculars, and like I was scanning the front. And uh, and all of a sudden, she said I reached down beside me and grabbed the saw and uh, flipped off the safe switch. And then I reached in front and flipped the switch. From uh, one position to another position, which basically what that meant was I was switching it from a high rate of fire to a, a lower rate of fire. And then she said, I pulled the trigger for about 10 seconds. And all the while, I was shouting, I had my head to my side, shouting at, she said it was a 50 cal gunship because I was shouting, 50 cal, 50 cal, rear, rear, rear. And they heard my gunfire, or we would assume so because that's what happened in Somalia. And they flipped around and open fire. And I was still firing. My wife said, at that time I was just, I was holding the trigger down and just letting go. And then I would stop after about 30 seconds, 35 seconds, if that. And then I would open the top tray, pull the charging handle to the rear take off the empty drum put the new drum in load it and do it all over again and I did that for about 10 to 15 minutes my wife said which seemed like it was shorter when I was in Somalia but I honestly I do not have a real good memory of it and I haven't since then since Somalia happened and and My psychiatrist told me that's part of the PTSD shutting down, that part of the memory, that part of the brain. Because I don't have long-term or short-term memory, like I stated in the preview yesterday. And then she said I came out of that uh, nightmare, and that was when I woke up at about 9.30 or 10.00 maybe 11, uh, couldn't go back to sleep as normal. Uh, I just sat there and stared at the ceiling. Played on my phone for a little bit because sometimes that'll help me go back to sleep. It'll bored me so I can go to sleep. And then, um, but that didn't help. I laid there till one, got up and said, well, might as well go to work. So that's where I'm at now. And then on the way in this morning, it was pretty much normal morning. Didn't have any vehicles that made me suspicious or any backfiring vehicles or anything. But I'm still on a heightened alert from yesterday. And just getting looking, it's, it just sucks, people. And the biggest reason I am doing this podcast also is to try to educate the wives, girlfriends, daughters, moms, dads, friends. To know that your loved one who's suffering from ptsd whether it's related to combat or something else that caused it they're not crazy they really and truly are not they are just having mental problems that cannot allow them to get past the event that happened that caused it and it. more more people would realize that it would cause a lot less divorces I think and marriage problems for people but then again I'm not a doctor so I don't know if that's true or not but that's what I honestly believe and like I've been telling my doctor all the time why they trying all those that damn medication and trying to get something to work and yes I t- took yes I take it religiously just in case it does help along with about the twenty seven other pills that they have me on for high blood sugar, stomach problems, arthritis, pain. Um, uh, just a ton of stuff, man so um anyway um I have been telling them ever since i'd heard i've been telling them for years and probably about three to four years ever since I heard there was such a thing, and that I believe it would help because I have a border collie that we've had for. Oh, mm, probably six. No, we've had it longer than that. We've had this dog probably for about nine to ten years, maybe more. I just can't remember exactly when we got it. And what it was was she was a rescue dog. We adopted her from the person who rescued her and from the story we got from them she was probably abused by men which i would have believed because when we first got her i was the one that took her for walks fed her tried to play with her make her comfortable bought got her treats gave to her and everything but it took her close to six months if not seven months Before, she finally warmed up to me. Now she don't leave my side. But anyway, uh, we never had her trained to be a service dog at all. Because it just wouldn't be a good fit. Because we go out and a man gets close to us. Or especially if I have my kids with, she'll just start going berserk, barking. And she's ready to attack and eat them up. Well, um... My wife noticed and told me that when I go to sleep at night, she'll go lay on my side of the bed, and when I go into a nightmares and stuff, she acts just like a service dog. She'll get up and slap me with her paws, trying to get me to wake up, and if I don't, she'll hop up on my chest and start uh, licking my face and trying to get me to wake up. Sometimes it would work and bring me out of a nightmare, but... Most times I was so deep into the nightmare that it wouldn't, I just swinging. And, and no, I never hit her, thank goodness, but I never have. Then she'd just get off of me and just sit at the side of the bed watching me and slapping me ever so often, trying to get me to wake up. So I've been telling my psychiatrist for years and years that I think that a PTSD service dog would help. Well, the VA don't believe in it. Not for PTSD, they don't. They think that the dogs are not helpful, and there, there's no training to have them to be. But I have talked to other people who have PTSD service dogs that are veterans, and they say that it does help. It helps them to be able to go out more often with their family, to help do more with their families and it helps to bring them out of the nightmares and all of that which I believe. I've even tried, I've been trying to get them to give me a prescription or to furnish me one and the psychiatrist told me they don't believe them so they can't furnish one and also too, a side note, I found out they never furnish any type of service dog. You have to uh, buy it yourself, and if it is recognized as a service dog that they uh, acknowledge, then they will give you insurance on the dog for free. It's called, it's like pet insurance. But you have to go to the, you take the dog to the vet to get whatever needs to be done done, and then. You have to submit the receipts to the VA and they uh, reimburse you, which I understand that for uh, the civilian policies, but for a VA policy that they give you for free for your dog to cover vet and medical expenses for the dog or stuff, They should have a vet on staff, I would think, that you would just call, make an appointment, take it in, and they bill the VA, and the VA pays it, and you're done. But that's not how it works. Anyway, so um, they do not recognize service dogs for PTSD, nor will they give you a prescription for one, that you could take to a business that uh, supplies trains and supplies service dogs, and a lot of those places, because I've talked to a couple of them, they want you to have a prescription from your doctor if it's a uh, VA related. And even if they were to do that, those dogs, depending on what they're trained for, they cost from anywhere from fifteen thousand on the low end, all the way up to seventy to eighty thousand, just depending on what all they're trained for. Well, because I'm a diabetic, the dog would probably be trained to notice low or high blood sugar along with all the PTSD stuff and everything. So you're probably looking at eighteen, nineteen thousand, 19,000, maybe even 20 or 30,000. It's just hard to say, but uh, I don't know very many veterans. I know I couldn't afford to pay that out of pocket. And I don't know many, very many veterans, I don't know very many people, period, that would be able to. I just think it's a crock of crap. But, and now I'm just sitting at work, staring at the ceiling and talking to y'all. We're playing on my phone, and then I was like, oh, I think I'll go ahead and do another podcast. Kind of feel like it, kind of in the mood, and kind of, I don't give a shit. Mood, which is the mood I'm in most of the time. But, I thought I'd give y'all an update. I don't even know if anyone's listening to this, but... I hope people are and that they're getting a perspective of crappy life that people with PTSD live on a daily basis. And I hope it helps loved ones of the people who has it to be able to live with it better. To adapt to it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say better. Uh, to be able to help support your loved one, whether it's a husband, a wife, a girlfriend, boyfriend, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, grandchild, I mean, whatever it might be, just to be able to, help deal with it better. And not just kind of like rush them to the medical uh, center and try to have them committed or something. I mean, there are times when you need to do that. I mean, if they're a threat to their self or something, then you definitely need to do it. Damn, I got a headache. It's going to be one of those days. Jesus. Oh, sorry. Um, but it's not always that way. Sometimes it can be treated by medicine. Because according to my psychiatrist, I'm one of the roughest cases she's had to try to get uh, medication that would help. Uh, most of the time, The first or second medications will work, especially by the time they go through all 9, 10, or 7, 8, whatever, I don't remember what the number was, but a lot of them, that one of them will work. But in my case, it didn't help worth a shit, but that's life, I guess. Just got to go with it. But I may do another one later today or maybe tomorrow. I don't know. It Just depends on what I feel like. I'm really not into this one at all. I'm just tired of staring at the ceiling. and thought I'd give y'all the second one. Hey, everybody have a good day. Take care. Talk to you later. Bye.